What is this? Are you trying to trick me? Looks like cleanup on aisle four. You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I've gone back to Season 1 and I'm remastering my episode about my grandparents. One of the reasons that I did Storytime was to preserve these memories and I wanted to bump this episode up. I haven't heard it in a while, I hadn't gone back to re-listen to it. But I remember from the first season I did have some production issues and I wanted to clean this episode up. I mean, I could redo the episode and tell the stories again, but I like the way that I told it the original time, the first time, so I'm trying to preserve the original episodes. I do apologize, I tried to clean it up as much as I could, but there are still some pops and some skips, and that's due to the way that I originally produced the podcast. But I also cleaned up a lot of the breaths and the gasps and the... When I first started doing the podcast, I was doing it more like a radio show, like I was live. And it took me a while to realize, oh yeah, I'm recording this so I can go back and edit the stuff out that doesn't sound good. So when I remaster these episodes, that's why I do it. I try to make it sound better while preserving the original stories. Some of the technical things that you hear, the little pops, the electronic glitches that pop up during these episodes, I do my best to get those out of there. But it's not always 100% possible, so please forgive the little pops. But please enjoy the episode. If you haven't heard it before, I do hope you enjoy it. And if you have heard it before, I hope you enjoy it again. So here we go. Some stories about my grandparents. As far as an expanded family, being close with the grandparents, close with the uncles, close with the aunts, close with the cousins, that wasn't my family. And I look around and I see a lot of people who are close with their family members. And it's it's almost kind of weird to me because that's not what I grew up with. But I'm a little jealous of that because there's connections beyond just the immediate family that other families have that I never experienced. And I, I kind of think that I missed out with that. Now, I wanted to tell stories about my grandparents from what I remember, partly because it, it keeps their memory alive. I don't have a lot of memories of my grandparents, but I do want to tell the stories and share my experiences with them because it does keep them alive. And, you know, maybe it'll help you touch base with your grandparents a little bit more than you do, because as a as a full-grown adult, I kind of feel like I missed out by not spending time with my grandparents, by not sitting down and talking to them. Now, in a couple of cases, it was impossible. I was very young when both of my grandfathers died, so I never really consciously thought of sitting down and talking to them. But my grandmothers both lived for a long time, and I never really went and sat down and visited with them and had a meal with them and sat down and listened to their stories or asked them questions about what it was like when they were growing up. And as I look back now, that was a huge missed opportunity. I would have loved to know stuff from my grandparents, and I I never really thought to do it. And that's one of the regrets that I have. So Part of the reason for these stories is maybe you'll want to go sit down and talk to your grandparents and, you know, have a conversation and say, what was it like when? Because the world we're living in changes constantly. And imagine the changes from the time your parents were born to now and when your grandparents were born to now. There's amazing things that have gone on. And the way life was back then was like an alien civilization to the way things are now. 
I remember my mom's dad. I don't remember a lot about him. He died when I was about three years old. I don't remember exactly why he died. I don't think anybody ever really told me because I was three years old. You didn't tell three-year-olds what was going on. I remember his name, McKinley. They always called him Mac. And I have very vague memories about him because I was so young when he passed. One of the things that I remember is he called me a blunderbuss. Now, I didn't know what that was, but he called me Blunderbuss so much that it stuck in my head that was what Grandpa called me. I was a Blunderbuss. Years later, I came to find out that a Blunderbuss was an old kind of gun, and it was small, loud, and noisy, and that's probably why I got that nickname from my grandfather, because I was small, loud, and noisy. Still loud and noisy, I've outgrown the small, but the Blunderbuss name probably still sticks. I remember sitting in his living room, And he would be lying on the couch. And I remember the couch. It's amazing the little details you remember. It was a maroon couch. And I remember the fabric. It was a a very rough fabric. And I would sit on the couch with him sometimes. And I don't remember his face. And I don't remember his body that much. But I remember his socks. He would stretch out lying on the couch. And he had these white socks on. And I just remember these two gigantic feet with white socks on them. Now, they were gigantic because I was three years old, but that's the memory that I have of my grandfather sitting near him on the couch or on the floor next to the couch and having those great big white feet right next to me as he was watching whatever he was watching on TV. And most of the time it was game shows. I remember game shows being a big thing with my grandfather. Again, I don't remember exactly why it was a thing. And maybe if I was older, I would have asked him, Gramps, why do you like these game shows? I just remember that it was game shows and Grandpa on the couch, and that's pretty much all that I remember about him personally. I do know the stories about what he did for a living, at least one of the things that he did. He drove a mule cart for mobile oil, and this was literally a mule cart. It was a cart powered by one mule, and he would drive it wherever they were driving mule carts way back in the day when they delivered oil to remote areas. He would do it by mule cart, and he was one of the... They called them mule skinners, if I remember correctly. And that's what his job was. That was one of his earliest jobs. He worked for Mobile Oil for many years, delivering oil. I also know that he was in the Navy. I only know that because my mother told me that. I obviously didn't know him in the Navy. That was long before I was a a gleam in anybody's eye. But I do remember him being in the Navy and my mother always telling me, your grandfather always said, if you ever go into the service, go into the Navy. They feed their people the best. I assume that's right. I don't know. But that was the that was the word that I had from mom. And that came straight from grandpa. So if I was ever going into the service, it would have been into the Navy. And that's really the extent of my knowledge of my mom's dad. I don't know a lot about him. I remember there was a shed in the back of my grandparents' house, and I remember he had a a shop back there, and I remember the smell of that shop. It was old and vintage and a little oily and a little musty, and it's one of those scents that I can still catch sometimes when I go to old houses and I go into the sheds in their backyard. There was just something about the things that he kept back there, whether it was oil or rags or whatever it was. It just created this scent, and I have this olfactory memory of the shed. And it gets triggered every once in a while. I get that smell and I go, oh yeah, that's Grandpa's shed. My dad's dad was different. My mom's dad was more of a blue collar kind of guy. My dad's dad was more of a city guy. I learned years after he died that he was a civil engineer. I never knew that growing up. He died when I was about 10 years old in that area. I don't know exactly when he died. I don't remember that. We didn't make big things of death in my family. 
I kind of remember the funeral service, but I didn't go to the funeral service, but I remember going to my grandmother's house for my parents to attend. That's the extent I know about the circumstances of his death. We didn't talk about things. We didn't share things. My parents didn't tell me things that we didn't need to know as kids. And as a 10-year-old, I guess I didn't need to know exactly why my grandfather died or when the funeral was or where he was buried. I'm assuming he's buried somewhere. I don't even know that. That's how little information we exchanged in my family. I don't know where my grandparents are buried. It's a weird little thing about my family, and that's one of the things that I carry with me. We didn't talk about things. I guess that's the best way to put it. We didn't talk about things unless it was, you know, a day-to-day, what-do-you-want-for-dinner kind of thing. We didn't dig in my family, and that was kind of weird. It's a kind of weird way to grow up. I don't know a lot about my grandfather on my dad's side. We didn't talk about things a lot. I think it's probably a function of the relationship between my dad and his parents as much as anything else. And again, we didn't talk about things, so I don't know exactly why they didn't talk or why they weren't close or why we didn't visit. It was just one of those things that was a fact of my life, and I didn't learn until years later that it was kind of a unique thing, that other families actually talk and visit and hang out and go places together and do things together. It was not something that was what I grew up with. It was a weird way to grow up now that I look back. At the time, it was completely normal. But my dad's dad was a civil engineer, and I learned, again, years after his death, that he actually was kind of bigwig in New York City. He helped design the Whitestone Bridge in New York. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Whitestone Bridge, but it's one of the major crossings in New York City, and he was one of the guys who helped design it. He did a lot of design work in New York City as a civil engineer. I don't know anything else that he designed. I would love to know so that I could go visit. Oh, my grandfather did that. Oh, my grandfather had a hand in that. But again, I don't know. It's kind of weird not to have that knowledge. And it would be nice to have. I do also remember that the thing that my dad's dad would do to entertain us kids was mash us. That's a weird thing to say, isn't it? But that's what he would do. He would pick us up in his arms. He was a big guy. He was like a bear of a man. He was just big and broad, and I remember he could, he could scoop us up with one arm, and he'd set us down on his lap, and he would mash us. By that, I mean he would, he would take his fist, and he would mash our tummies and our chests and our sides in a very ticklish kind of way, but he called it mashing. And it was something we always looked forward to. We'd go running up to him, and I remember this. My brother and sister and me, we'd go running up and say, Grandpa, Grandpa, are you going to mash us? Please mash us. And he would. He'd scoop us up, and one by one, he'd mash us and tickle us, and we'd be laughing hysterically, and then he'd let us go run off and do our thing. But that was Grandpa's big thing. He would be mashing us. Now, I don't know if my two grandfathers knew each other at all, except for the fact that they went to the wedding that my parents had. But beyond that, to my knowledge, my grandfathers never met beyond that day. They never hung out. They never got together. They never came to family functions together. It just didn't happen. And again, that's a weird thing because as an adult, you know, I have grandparents and aunts and uncles visiting all the time and they interact all the time. But in my family, when I was growing up, there was no interaction between the grandparents. It was just the way it was, I guess. That's what that that was my normal. It doesn't seem normal now as an adult because I see there's other options out there. But at the time, that's all I knew. And I feel like I kind of missed out because I think it would be kind of interesting to have sat down with my dad's dad and say, how did you get into civil engineering? And what was it like to design a bridge? And what was involved with that? Did you help build it? What did you do? I would love to know that. I mean, in reality, I know designing a bridge is more doing the architectural work and the blueprints and the planning. He probably wasn't walking on the steel out there and laying, laying foundations for the bridge. But just to have a hand in that, that would have been something really interesting to talk to him about. Then there's my mom's mom. 
My mom's mom was named Iva, and her nickname was Ike. Now, Grandma Iva lived for another 20 or so years after my grandfather died, and she lived in the same house that they lived in through their married lives, and um, she kept it up by herself for years and years and years, and I don't ever remember seeing her drive a car. I know that she had to get around, I understand that she walked, but I don't think she ever drove, at least not that I know of. She drove with my grandfather. My mom would drive her around. Her sister, my great-aunt Freedy, who I've talked about in another episode of Storytime, that was her sister, and she would drive her around. But I don't remember my grandmother, Iva, driving a car ever. When she would come visit us from upstate New York, which is where she lived, upstate near Syracuse in that area, for those who know the states at all, she would travel by Greyhound bus. And that was the only way she would come down. My parents didn't go up and pick her up because it it was a six to seven hour drive. That's a long way to go to go pick up grandma. So grandma would pack her suitcase, hop on the Greyhound and spend the day on the the bus to come down and visit us for a week. And that was something we always looked forward to because grandma's coming and grandma was fun. And she enjoyed our company and she would sit with us and she would talk with us. But we were little kids, so we didn't talk in great detail. I didn't sit down and interview her about what it was like to grow up on a farm. I learned years later, and it was after she was gone, that I think she was one of 12 children and they lived on a farm in upstate New York. And she had a rough life growing up because you worked the farm. That's what you did when you were a kid in, in a rural area. You worked at the farm. I never sat down and had a conversation with her about that, but I, I'm sure it would have been interesting to hear about it. I just never thought to do it. That's really a kind of a childhood viewpoint. You figure your grandparents are always going to be around until you realize they're not. And that was a missed opportunity to sit down and talk to my grandmother about what it was like to grow up on a farm and be a farm girl. But that's, you know, that's, that's what my family was like. So I just never had the chance or the inspiration or the desire to do it. Now, I would spend a couple of hours taking notes and filling pads with information so that I could preserve this stuff. It's interesting to me now. But when I was young, I didn't care that much. It, it just, just, it was not built into me to care. It was not built into me to sit down and chat. It was not built into me to, to hang out with my grandparents. They came down, we spent time with them, and then we did our thing. I guess that's normal. But I see other families interact differently nowadays. And even when I was growing up, as I started seeing other families when I was in college and, oh, grandpa's coming, we're going fishing. You're going fishing with your grandpa? Wow, that's weird. But that's what was normal for them. It wasn't normal for me. It was a different kind of relationship. And I think that's the way my parents wanted it because of the relationships they had with their parents. It's weird the things that we grow up with and what we consider to be normal. And then you compare it to other people's experiences and there is no normal, is there? We all have our own thing. Visiting my mom's mom was always fun too. We would go up there. If she wasn't coming coming down to visit, we would go up there to visit for the holidays. We would visit for Easter or Thanksgiving or whatever holiday. I guess my parents had some kind of schedule worked out. I know what the scheduling is when you have two sets of in-laws. And Okay, you get Easter, you get Thanksgiving, you get Christmas, we get New Year's. So we would drive up there. And the things that I remember about visiting, visiting grandma are, are very vivid. And again, some of them are olfactory memories, the smells that I associated with grandma. Grandma always made bacon. When we were up there, we would wake up every morning and there would be bacon cooking. And that's probably where my love for bacon started because grandma would have bacon cooking every day. And I loved the smell of bacon. I loved coming down to cooked bacon. It was amazing to wake up to the smell of bacon every morning. She also always had cookies in the cookie jar. We would get to the house and the first thing we would do is make a beeline to the cookie jar. And I remember the cookie jar like it was sitting on my counter right now. It was a white ceramic cookie jar with a little lid that you pulled off. 
and obviously the cookies were inside, but Grandma always had a piece of white bread on top of the cookies. I never understood this as a kid, but then I realized as I grew older and I discovered the secrets of baking, that if you don't have something like an airtight Tupperware container to seal your cookies in, if you put a piece of white bread in the cookie jar, it would keep the cookies soft. I don't know why that works, but it does. If you ever make homemade cookies, even if you put them in Tupperware, throw a piece of white bread in there, the cookies will be lovely and soft and delicious. You know, that's one of the things that I've passed down to my family is my grandmother's habit of putting white bread in with the cookies. It works. To this day, it works. And I still put white bread in with a batch of cookies in the cookie jar or in a Tupperware container, and it keeps them soft. I don't know why it works. It just does. So I keep doing it. So there's your tip from story time today. White bread in the cookie jar. The other thing that she taught us was how to preserve leaves. Sounds weird, right? Well, when we were little kids, she would take us outside. She had a few trees in the backyard. And at fall, when the trees would shed their leaves, we would go and pick out the beautiful leaves, the orange ones or the yellow ones that were really, really pretty. And grandma would have us pick out half a dozen leaves each and we would go back into the kitchen. She would take wax, paraffin, and melt it on the stove. Yes, this was long before we worried about flash fires coming from burning wax on the stove. But she would melt it on the stove in a pan. And then we would take our beautiful leaves and dip them in this melted wax. And then we would set them on wax paper so that they would dry. And we would have beautifully preserved waxed leaves that we could hang on our walls or use as bookmarks or whatever we wanted to do. It sounds like a weird little thing, but back in the day, Grandma was teaching us to do a little craft. It was cool. The other memories I have of Grandma's house is the old washing machine she had in the basement. Now, this was this was a washing machine that was before there were electric washing machines. It wasn't really a washing machine as much as it, it was a bin that they would put water in, and it had one of those old-fashioned ringers, and you'd swish the clothes around in the bin, and you'd use one of those scrubbing boards, and then you'd pull the clothes out and put them through the ringer so that you'd get all the water out that you could, and then you'd hang them on a line in the basement, and that was laundry. And she still had that washing machine to the day she sold the house whenever she finally moved out. But that that washing machine was there forever. I never saw her use it, but I was told it got a lot of use during my mom's day. So I'm trying to imagine washing clothes using an old scrubbing board and that the, the rollers to get the water out. It, it's just something that's beyond my ability to understand as a modern convenience. But to her, it was, and she could never part with it. So that was there for forever. I also remember she was still in a relatively rural area, so when we were there for the week, milk was delivered to the door every day, and when we went there, she had to order extra bottles, because with three kids in the house, you needed extra bottles of milk to feed a growing family, and it would come every morning. The milkman would literally deliver to this little metal box on the porch and put the bottles of milk in there, and it was fresh from the dairy. It was a unique experience, and I still remember it to this day. I also remember Grandma was a coffee drinker, so in addition to the smell of bacon, there was always the smell of coffee at Grandma's house, and that's where I first discovered what coffee was and what it smelled like, because my parents were not coffee drinkers. But Grandma was a coffee drinker, and she drank all of the time. When she would come visit us, we didn't have a coffee pot. We didn't have a percolator. The only coffee she could have with us is the instant that my mom would buy for her. So she would have instant coffee at our house, which was, as I've learned as an adult, never as good as, as fresh brewed. But she would tolerate it because that's what she got when she came to visit us. I also discovered what Sanka was because I had no idea that there was a difference between coffee and Sanka. I thought Sanka was a special kind of drink because sometimes my grandmother would want Sanka. 
and I didn't know what Sanka was. For those who don't know, Sanka was a specific brand of decaffeinated coffee. She wanted that decaffeinated coffee at times because obviously the caffeine would keep her up. So she would have Sanka at particular times of the day. She'd have the regular instant in the morning and Sanka in the afternoon. And these are the rules that I learned as I was growing up. And that was my mom's mom. My dad's mom was a unique individual. Her name was Pearl. And you can tell older generations, Iva and Pearl are the names. She was a very loud, very controlling woman. I knew that from what my dad said, but I knew that from experience too. She came one one day for a band concert that I was in. And this is one of the stories that I remember very vividly about my dad's mom. We had finished the concert and had come home. And um, I was thirsty because I'd been playing trumpet for, you know, two hours for the concert. And um, I went to get a drink of water. And I went to the cupboard to get a glass. And my grandmother stepped in front of me and pulled a glass out of the sink and said, Don't dirty another glass. Use this glass. My dad walked up, snatched the glass out of her hand, pulled a glass out of the cupboard and gave it to me and told my grandmother, he can have a clean glass if he wants one. And I froze because I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I could sense that there was something far beyond glassware and glasses of water brewing underneath the surface there. I don't know what it was. I don't know what the problems were. I don't know what that was a symptom of. But I could tell there was something else going on there, and I just left that alone. As a matter of fact, I remember distinctly putting the glass on the cupboard and walking out of the kitchen because I did not want to be involved in whatever was going on in that kitchen. There were clearly issues there, but to this day, I don't know what they were. I do know that my dad and his mom did have issues, but I also know that he went to dinner with her at times where he didn't take the family. He would meet her for dinner after his work day. Once every two months, three months, and it was just him and her so that they could have dinner together. Again, I don't know the story of that, the history of that, the whys and wherefores of that, because we didn't talk about things. My mom didn't talk about it. My dad didn't talk about it. And as a kid, I didn't think to ask about it. I just knew dad was going to be home late because he was having dinner with grandma. In fact, I didn't know that he was having dinner with grandma till many years after the, the events started. It was just one of those weird things that you don't notice as a kid. Oh, dad's not home. Okay, he'll be late. Okay. We didn't talk, which is a weird thing to me to this day, because I talk all the time, as you can tell. But my parents didn't share and didn't reveal, and I didn't pry. I was taught not to pry, so I didn't pry. But my dad's mom was a very interesting individual. After my grandfather passed, uh, she stayed in their house for many years after that. And that house, I remember, it was a huge house. It was a huge house just outside New York City, and I remember she had cats. She had cats like nobody's business. You've heard tell of the crazy cat lady? That was my grandmother. Not only did she have cats, she had dogs. She had at least one poodle that I remember, and if I remember correctly, the poodle's name was actually Fifi. I may be wrong on that. I just have this vague recollection of this gray, nasty, snap-at-you-and-bark-at-the-drop-of-a-hat stupid dog named Fifi, I think. And we didn't like that dog. We mostly liked dogs in my family, but that poodle, we didn't like that poodle. That was a nasty dog. And I don't know why it was a nasty dog, except maybe he was taking after my grandmother, I guess, maybe. Isn't it true that dogs kind of reflect their owner's personalities? Could be. My grandmother cared for us. There's no question about it, but she was a unique individual with a unique perspective on how to live life, how to raise children, and I think that my grandmother and my father clashed on just about every front along those lines. 
But she did care about us. And I remember that she cared about us because she gave us an allowance. The only one of my grandparents who gave us an allowance, my grandmother, every single month of my life, sent me a dollar in the mail with a little note. Here's your allowance. Hope things are well. A little newsy note from her. That was how she stayed in touch with us. One dollar every month, which was at the time a king's ransom. That was a lot of money for a little kid. That dollar came in handy for whatever I wanted to buy, whether it was penny candy or gum or comic books or whatever it was. That was my little nest egg that Grandma was sending me. So there you have it, revisiting some stories from season one about my grandparents. Yeah, I had a weird family. I know that I did. But the thing that I've discovered over the years, everybody has a weird family. There is no normal family. You might think you're normal, but as soon as you get out and meet other people, you realize eh, everybody's different. There is no normal. And I think your life gets better when you accept that. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's remastered episode. Thank you for listening to it. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I appreciate your support, and I can't thank you enough for being here. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.